Good morning. Welcome to Central Church of the Nazarene. We are so glad that you are here today. We're in a sermon series called Reimagine. We're revisiting, reimagining the Imagine series that we did about a year ago. And we're using this story, the minor prophet Jonah, to help us with that. Jonah and the whale. Wasn't a whale, big fish. You remember, so in, in, in honor of what we all learned as Jonah and the whale, why did the whale cross the ocean? To get to the other tide. Boom. They don't get any better, folks. So we, we are, as we are revisiting, recussing, we believe that Jesus changes everything. We believe that, that we grow best when we grow together. And that, and that and when we do that, when we're growing together, we become the best neighbors we can possibly be. Well, we're using Jonah to help us do all that. And we left off last week, Jonah chapter 1. Uh, Je- God called Jonah, told him to to go to, to Nineveh. He says, no, I'd rather go to Tarshish. He hops on a boat. There's a terrible storm. The sailors toss him overboard. And what happens next in Jonah chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, and when they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Jonah's anti-missionary effort. God said, go to Nineveh. He said, no, I'd rather go to Tarshish. God said, go, and Jonah said, no. Jonah's anti-missionary effort actually brought converts to non-Israelites. In spite of Jonah's running away from God, God still worked. What does that tell you? That tells you that God sometimes works in spite of us. That God is always at work. Whether you join with him or not, that's up to you. But God is always at work. Jonah, he wasn't giving these guys, you know, the four reasons why they need to serve God. He was in the bottom of the boat. They've tossed him overboard and they recognized God Almighty for who he is and started worshiping him. Sometimes God works in spite of us. Well, they tossed him overboard. The sea is raging. No doubt Jonah thought, man, I am dead. God is mad. He's really mad. I'm the reason he's mad. They've just tossed me overboard. I am dead, dead, dead. Have you ever had a near-death experience? Have you ever been to that point where you thought, man, I, this is it? For me, it happened nearly 15 years ago now. I was sitting at my desk at that that uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage, didn't know what, what, what it was, felt like somebody hit me with a baseball bat. And I, re- I remember thinking, all right, Lord, this is it. I'm either having a stroke or an aneurysm. This is it. And the first thing that came to my mind was, Lord, take care of Carla and the boys. If this is it, take care of them. That was the first thing I thought. Have you had a, such an experience? Maybe, maybe you were in the military, highly dangerous place. Maybe... Maybe you've had a health crisis. I know a friend of mine, he survived a plane crash for crying out loud. Have you been in a, maybe, maybe, maybe you attempted suicide and you did not succeed, praise the Lord. And I want you to know, we are gathered here today. You are breathing, you are alive. You are here, this is not a funeral service. You didn't hear me begin the service by saying, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to remember our deceased loved one and friend. That is not the case. You are here, you're alive, you're breathing. You could have laughed a little more of my jokes, but you're here. And I have prayed over this service. I have prayed that you might have a holy encounter with the living Lord. That you might have a divine 
appointment with God Almighty this morning, right here, maybe at home, online, that you would meet with Jesus Christ himself. Because I believe that can happen. Well, Jonah, they tossed him overboard, and he thought he was done, and it was over, and the Bible tells us what happens next. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. He had plenty of time to think about it, and then he gives us the prayer that he prayed after figuring it all out. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, here's his prayer, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple." The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. That's his prayer. To read it from start to finish, it only takes, it takes less than 90 seconds to read that prayer. That's all it takes. What does that tell you? It's not the many, 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 many words you might utter that is the power in prayer. The power in prayer is not in the earthly speaker. The power in prayer is the one who hears the prayer, and that is God Almighty. That's where the power of prayer comes. So Jonah is tossed overboard, and he tells us he hits rock bottom. Really, the the progression of Jonah is very typical, really. It's not like you just are on the mountaintop one second and you, hit a cl- and you fall into a cliff and hit the bottom the next second. That's usually not the way things go. Usually there is a downward trajectory, a downward spiral, a downward journey to rock bottom. It happens with Jonah in chapter 1. We see after God said, go to Nineveh, he said, no, I'd rather go to Tarshish. The Bible says he went down to Joppa. He went down into the bottom of the ship. He went down when the, when the sailors tossed him overboard and finally, finally, finally he was in the belly of that great fish. Rock bottom usually happens by a slow, progressive, downward trajectory. It's true. You don't, no one wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to have an affair today. No, what happens is there's a few glances and then a little flirting, flirting, flirting. And then some suggestive texts. And then a lunch. And then flirting, flirting, flirting. And then that downward trajectory ends with a crash. And the family is destroyed and people hit rock bottom. No one wakes up and says, man, I want to be an alcoholic today. No, what happens is they have a few drinks. And then a few more. 
And then there's stress at work or stress at home and problems. And, and instead of, of, of dealing with those problems head on, they drink a little more and then a little more. And then it's at lunch too. And then it's hiding their alcohol here and there. And before they know it, that downward trajectory, that downward spiral hits crash bottom. It happens in church. No one wakes up and says, you know what? I'm just turning away from God today. No, it's a downward spiral. It's saying, you know, preacher, I need a me day. That's why I'm not going to church today. Don't I deserve a me day? And then it's two. And then it's not reading your Bible. And then it's not spending time in prayer. And you come to church occasionally. And then eventually it's Christmas and Easter. And then it's where God is totally out of your life. And then a problem arises. There's a hiccup in your marriage. There's trouble with the kids. And there's no community of faith to come alongside you. Rock bottom. It's a downward spiral. It's not a stepping off a cliff. It's a slow downward spiral before we hit rock bottom. Well, Jonah, he's in rock bottom for sure. In fact, he calls rock bottom. In verse 6, he calls it the roots of the mountains. I'm at the, I'm at the very bottom of the base. The roots of the mountains. Now, we know Jonah got there by his own actions, right? God said, go to Nineveh. He said, no, I'm going to Tarshish. It was his own actions, his running away from God that led him to that rock-bottom place. Some people here, maybe you're at rock-bottom through no actions of your own. You can hit rock-bottom through the sinful choices of other people in your life. You can hit rock-bottom by a, by a bad diagnosis. You can hit rock-bottom when when the money crashes or when, when problems arise, you can hit rock bottom for sure. That's not Jonah's case. That might be your case. And the truth of the matter is, whether it's through your own doing or through someone else's doing or through just the circumstances of life, the way up is the same in both cases. We know Jonah, he hits rock bottom. Uh, uh, you know, this boisterous, complaining, uh, brash, I guess you could say Jonah, I'm going to go where I want to go. I want to do what I want to do. Finally, 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 hits rock bottom. Everything that, that uh, he had used before, all of his resources, all of his schemes, he falls flat on his face. And Jonah says, how in the world did I get here? What, in the, you know, here I am. Uh, the way out of our rock bottom, our mountain roots, is recognizing the reality. That's where, that's where Jonah's at. The way out is not, just, it's not just recognizing the reality, it's recognizing that we need to pray in the midst of that bottom state. Someone once said, you never realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Let me repeat that. You never realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. The way out is through prayer. We see it in Jonah. From the deep of the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. He is rock bottom in me. And he says that the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. <laughs> That's pretty descriptive. To the roots of the mountain, I sunk down. Have you been there? Are you there? I remember when the boys were young, Alex was five, Ben was two, we were out at the campgrounds, Water's Edge Camp. And if you've never been out at the Water's Edge Camp, there's three main ponds, lakes, if you will, 
uh, the one in the back, we used to, when I was growing up, we called that the boys' lake because that's where the boys swam. There was no boys and girls couldn't swim together in those days. So the boys got the back lake. The girls got the seaweedy, mucky, who would, in the world would want to swim there in the front lake. And then there was a third lake, the one that's uh, off to the side. We called that, I called that the fishing lake. I think it's called Lockheed Lake or something like that. So the boys are five and two. And, and I decided to take them fishing so that, of course, meant I'd go to the fishing lake. And I had the perfect spot for the fishing lake. There was a cement pad right at the, by Burkhart Road where the, the, some of the water from Lockheed Lake flows under the, the road through a, through a pipe and out to a creek on the other side of the road. And so I told Carla, I'm going to take Ben and Alex and we're going to go fishing. And Carla said, just make sure that Ben does not drown. Now, I think she didn't want Alex to drown too, but she wanted me to make sure that Ben did not drown. He was two years old. I said, baby, of course he's not going to drown. We're going to be there. We're going to go to my favorite fishing spot. Now, using my hindsight 2020 vision with Carla's help, I realize now that, you know, that cement spot right by Burkhart Road is probably not the best place for a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And that cement spot right by where the, where the whatever you call it, the water goes under the road and into the creek and onto the beyond is probably not the best place for a five-year-old and a two-year-old. But it was, if I, as I recall, a great spot to catch fish. And so we were catching little sunfish and we'd catch them, they'd be little, I'd throw them back in, we'd catch one, I'd throw it back in, we were catching them left and right, it was going great, catch, throw, catch, throw. And somewhere along the line, two-year-old Ben, he decided he wanted to see those fish more up close. And that dumb kid jumped right in off of that cement pad into Lockheed Neck. Now, I want the record to show that with cat-like reflexes, I reached down, I zooped down and grabbed that kid before he went under the road and into the creek and beyond where I never saw him again. I reached him and I grabbed him and I put him up on the dry ground. Whew. Well, he took a couple of gulps of the fishing lake and he wanted to go home and... And so I, we started taking him home and I was praying for a miracle that he would dry off before we got back to the, to the campsite. And we got back there. I don't know what in the world I was thinking because poor little Benny, he had on sunglasses. He's two years old, he had on sunglasses. And there, he didn't have seaweed wrapped around his head, but he did have seaweed wrapped around his sunglasses. Why I didn't remove the seaweed from his sunglasses, I do not know. But we got there and Carla got one look at him and saw the seaweed wrapped around his sunglasses and said, what in the world did you do? Now, Ben wasn't at rock bottom, but I was in the doghouse. I can tell you that for sure. Some of you are at rock bottom to something far more serious than that. And you looked around and you experienced life and you say, what in the world is going on? I mean, how in the world did I get here? Sometimes, again, it's through your own selfish choices. That's why you're there. Sometimes it's through no, no uh, uh, choice of yours. And you say, what in the world am I going to do? Now, the, here's what happens. Our enemy loves to tell you that you're the only one in that spot. That's a lie. You may, be, you may be experiencing something bad, but someone is experiencing maybe not exactly your situation, but similar to your situation. And our enemy likes to think that you're the only one. But if we were to take an honest poll of every pew and every section up in the balcony and every person sitting at home, 
I dare say that we would find some heartbreaking circumstances that would make you think, oh my land, what in the world are we going to do? Remember, I said, I prayed for this service. I prayed that you might have a holy encounter, that you would recognize where you're at and what's going on in your life, and that you would seek Jesus Christ. What does Jonah do? He, he, he calls out in prayer. He recognizes his reality. One of the, uh, the, the very first step of Celebrate Recovery is, is we admit that we are powerless over our addictions and convulsive behavior. And our lives have become unmanageable. It's recognizing where we're at and saying, all right, I can't fix this. That's what Jonah is getting to. I can't, I can't get out of this mess, this fish, all on my own. I can't fix it. I need God Almighty. And until you get to the spot where you say, I can't fix this on my own, you will still wallow. I, I can't tell you how many uh, drug addicts, porn addicts, alcoholics, shopaholics, whatever type of addiction you think, as long as they say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, they won't do it. Until they say, I need God Almighty. That's how they get out. Well, Jonah had two choices, I suppose, just like us. Turn to God or not. You know, we can, we, can, we can do nothing. I suppose that's the easy choice. Just sit here, wallow in my pity, wallow in my circumstance, wallow in my, in, my, in, in my life, be at rock bottom, the mountain's roots. Or I can turn to God Almighty. That's what, that's what he does. I love verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, when I thought I had no hope, when I did not know what else to do, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered, oh, yes, God Almighty. The one who called me to, tar- to, to, to Nineveh, but I said no. When I remembered you, Lord, my prayer rose to you. It's acknowledging the pit. It's talking to Jesus, talking to the Lord, get me out of this pit. And then trusting that God is in command of the pit. Acknowledging I'm in a pit Talk to the Lord about that pit and trusting that God is in command of the pit. Well, that's what happened with Jonah, of course. We know he prayed that prayer. And verse 10 simply says, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I told you last week, it's hard to keep a good man down. All of us have battles. All of us have struggles. Imagine, no, reimagine. God, taking that circumstance that's going on in your life right now and working it out in a powerful, miraculous way. Imagine God taking that thing that you don't think there's a remedy for. You know the Sunday school answer. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But you don't see how in the world Jesus is going to fix it. Imagine him fixing it. Imagine him working in a powerful, miraculous way. You see, I believe God can do that. I believe God can take those worst circumstances, those rock bottom places, those mountain, the the roots of the mountain times in our life and turn it to his glory. And not only does he do that, when he turns it to his glory, he doesn't do it so you can just sip lemonade in your hammock. He does it so that then you can be a blessing to others. So that you can use that circumstance. God didn't cause it. God didn't bring it. But you can use that circumstance just like Jonah's going to. That's next week's sermon. 
use that circumstance for his glory. That's just the way God works, you see. That's exactly what he does. And that's, it's, it's acknowledging where I'm at. Asking the Lord to get me out of where I'm at. And trusting that he's in command of where I'm at. It'd be taking um, your life circumstance and, and plugging it in to Jonah 2.10. And the Lord commanded, I don't know, Rob's migraines to be gone forever. Woohoo! <laughs> that would be wonderful. And the Lord commanded your financial burden. And the Lord commanded those gossip and rumor mongers to zip their lips. And the Lord commanded that drama at your work, at your school, in your family to come to a screeching halt and you could breathe once again. I believe God can do it. I believe God can work. I want you to hear Tiffany's story because Tiffany shows us what happens on the other side. L listen to this story. My name is Tiffany Slates and I've been attending Central for about seven and a half years. When I first came here, I actually was very broken and um, seeking the Lord. And after a few years, I met Deb LeVictor and I got her number and I really started encouraging her. So I started texting her a verse every day. Um, and then from that, she had me join the Women's Connection team where I was given a hundred names of women at the church to reach out to once a month. Um, many of those women I text daily a verse because again starting my day with God's word is the best. One thing that I realized um, when I came here broken the issue um, my husband had walked out on me and uh, my best friend told me to write down my worst nightmare and it would be to become like my mother who I love dearly but was very bitter. and. At least 10 of the women who I've reached out to had struggled with the same thing. And so I saw God working through that. And it really has been such a blessing to be able to help them um, to move on and to have been able to have moved on myself. In a three-year span, I had two horrible things happen. And actually, the second thing was worse. And I realized that the first one almost killed me, and the second one, I was really in the best place of my life. And the only difference was I was in His Word every day. So when I send that verse to each of the women, um, I pray for them in the process, again, hoping that they open their hearts. Because in all reality, it was all, the, my life was the same things happened, but the place I was in was very different because of God and because of His Word and the grace that He gives me. There's sometimes women who haven't responded for months um, just text me like this was the word I needed to hear today or other instances where I text the women daily and today they say I really needed this um, or they haven't responded in a couple of weeks and he, he, he helps them get what they need from the verse. Reaching out to these women and seeing the hope and joy come back to them has been a blessing to me. I just try to be who I wish I had met in my darkest time. If I could encourage you today, it would be even in your brokenness to be obedient and that sometimes God asks us to do hard things that 
seem like the last thing we want to do, He blesses us in the process. And the peace that you feel when you listen and take those next steps are worth every bit of it. I love Tiff Tiffany's testimony. And did you hear her say in there, she said, said over the course of a three-year period, two horrible things happened to her. And, and, and then she said, the second thing was worse. Did you hear that? And then she said, and the first thing almost killed me. So the, th the first thing almost killed her, and the second thing was worse. That would be really bad. But what did she say? But because of God's word and God's working, she was able to get through that second thing, that horrible thing. That can be true for you. Maybe you're at rock bottom. Maybe you don't see a way out. You know the Sunday school answer. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But you don't see how in the world Jesus can work. I want you to know Jesus can work. Jesus can move. And if you allow him to lift you out of that pit, you allow him to work in your family or your circumstance, you allow him to, to do battle with that addiction that you haven't been able to break, you allow him to move. God will move. Recognizing you're in a pit. It's asking Jesus to get out of the pit. And it's trusting that Jesus is in command of that pit. Tiffany also said this in that, in that time of the video she said she said I I tried to be the person I needed to be I needed in my darkest hour what a great testimony when you get out of that pit that thing that you don't see how you can get out of then God's gonna use it and you can be a blessing and you can make a difference that's what we're talking about